0: i want to start this video with a reminder of what we're doing. Uh, if you've watched other videos in this series, we are uh, beginning a series right now called Basic Training. And what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to equip you with all the tools you need to not only be a disciple, a follower, a student of Jesus, but I wanna give you the tools that you can give to someone else for them to be a disciple and a follower of Jesus. Our whole purpose behind this series is to train you to train others, so that we can build disciples and fulfill the great commission that God gave us in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty. Now, last week we talked about uh, that first part, the foundation of faith. We talked about how faith uh, is what starts us and builds us on that journey with God. Uh, this week, I want to talk about something called intimacy with God. Now. Intimacy is a is a rough word for men, especially, because when we think about intimacy, often we think about sex, or we'll think about, um, uh, you know, making love to our wives. That's that's what we think of when we think of intimacy. That's not what we're talking about at all. We're talking about a closeness in relationship with God that's very similar to a closeness we have with. Uh, the woman or man of our dreams, that, that person that we love more than anyone else. We can actually have that kind of relationship with God. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. In fact, it's probably going to take us two weeks to talk about this topic because there's so much here and it's so misunderstood and people really uh, don't understand what we talk about when we talk about having intimacy with God. So uh, I'm, I'm going to split this up into two different weeks. So let's, let's just begin. I want to read something to you about building an intimate relationship with God. This comes out of the introduction uh, of the book. Uh, A common misconception is that our relationship with God is dependent on getting it right or following a set of rules. I want you to think about how true this is. This was true for me when I first came to Christ. I thought, okay, I need to get my life right so God will love me. So I need to follow a set of rules and following that set of rules will set me up for God to love me, and that's what discipleship is. That's what Christianity is. I follow the rule. God loves me. I go to heaven. It is so much more than that. In fact, not only is it so much more than that, it's not that at all. So listen to these words. Following God is about growing in intimacy with Him. God's ultimate desire for your life is for you to live fully and freely in His love And to respond by loving Him as well. God has no ulterior motives in His relationship with you. He just wants you to be His child, friend, and co-worker in love. Listen to that. God doesn't have ulterior motives in His relationship with you. All He wants to do is love you, have you respond in love back to Him, and grow a close, intimate relationship with you. The more you learn and know about your Heavenly Father, the more you will desire to love Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Authentic transformation, authentic transformation, this discipleship that we're talking about, growing up in Christ, is characterized by a closeness with God that naturally leads to a healthier, more purified life of service in Him. In Christ, love is the goal, purity is the byproduct. In Christ, love is the gold, purity is the byproduct. So many times we get it backwards. We think, I've got to clean my life up. I've got to become pure so God will love me. I've got to perform so God will love me. I'm earning my way so God will love me. But it's exactly the opposite. God already loves me. Remember what John said in 1 John? He said, we love because He first loved us. He loved us first. He lavishes us with His love to the point that He died on a cross for us. Now He comes in and says, I want you to come in and have a relationship with me, and I just want you to love me back. And that's really all this relationship is about. Just love me back. But what happens is, as God transforms me through loving Him and Him loving me, you know what I desire more and more and more? Is to live a purified life. I want to get rid of those sins. I don't want to sin because I don't want to hurt my father. A lot of us have had fathers that were authoritarian figures in our lives, and they didn't show us a whole lot of love, and what they expected was obedience. And so when we think about love of the Father, for many of us what we think about is, okay, God's the military commander. He's telling me what I've got to do, I'm not interested in being close to God, I just am obedient to God. And then every great once in a while, if I'm really, really obedient, God will slap me on the back and say, that a boy. And that's what we have a tendency to think relationship with God is like, but it's not like that at all. In fact, it's the antithesis of that. Without us ever doing anything, without us ever proving ourselves at all, God just loved us and He died for us and He paid for our sins so that we can walk with Him. In Christ, love is the focus. That's what it's about, and purity is the byproduct. And so we're gonna focus on our love for God because the more I'm intimate with Him, the more I love Him, the more my life will be pure. I wanna share with you a scripture out of Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Listen to this scripture. Therefore, brothers, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith." Now, we talked about that full assurance of faith last week, so uh, go back if you didn't watch last week's video and look at that video and we'll talk about full, full assurance of faith. So this week we're talking about what? Draw near to God with a sincere heart. Now, I want you to understand what the Hebrew writer is talking about here because he actually set the table for why we can draw near to God with a sincere heart. So let me explain it to you. In uh, in the Jewish religion, in the Old Testament, they had the temple And in the temple, in the back of the temple, was the most holy place. And that's where God dwelled. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where the Ten Commandments were. And they said, that's where God is. God's living right in there. And in fact, the rest of the temple was separated by a huge, thick curtain that goes from ceiling to floor, all the way across, so you couldn't get into the presence of God. And every Jewish mind understood you can't get directly into the presence of God. You gotta go through the curtain. And the only way you get through the curtain is through the high priest. The priest takes your sins to God for you. And then what happens is, is he will go in and he will sacrifice for you. And if the sacrifice is good, then your sins are forgiven and you're okay with God. But you never really get to him because the veil of the curtain stands in the way. In in fact, you know, they knew what God had said. If, if, if you come before me with sin, you will die. You will die if you're in the presence of God with sin. And so literally, they would take the high priest once a year when he would go behind the curtain to offer the sins for the people. They would tie um, a rope around his ankle so that if he got in there and wasn't pure before the Lord and died, they could pull him out. That's how serious they were about this. But every Jewish mind knew I can't get to God. I've got to go through a priest, and there's a veil between me and God. Here's what the Hebrew writer's saying. In Christ, in Christ, Jesus tore down that veil. Matthew chapter 27, Jesus is dying on the cross for us. He's taking our sin and paying paying the price for our sin. And when He died, Matthew tells us something supernatural happened in the temple. The veil... The curtain in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, split right in two. Spiritually speaking, what Jesus is saying at that moment is the death on the cross taking our sins for us positionally. Now we are perfect in Christ. His blood continuously cleanses us from all of our sin. And so we don't have a veil between us and God anymore. We don't have a curtain between us and God. We don't need a priest to get to God because Jesus was the once and for all perfect priest that paid the price so that we can go directly into the throne room of God. And so the Hebrew writer says, Therefore, let us draw near to God. There's nothing holding you back. There's nothing holding you back. The throne room of God is now open to you. God is standing before you with open arms saying, Let's go come be with me come sit with me come sit in my lap come sit and talk to me eyeball to eyeball there's nothing standing in the way because jesus paid the price for your sin you say well but i still have sin in my life that's practically speaking yes you do practically we all have sin but positionally that sin has been taken care of by the blood of jesus so that it is wiped away i have every right and access directly into the throne room of God to spend time with God and develop an intimate relationship with Him based on His love for me and my love for Him. And God has said, I've taken away every barrier. All the curtains have been, have been torn. They're all down. Come to me. Come sit with me. Come sit with me. Come sit in my lap like a child with his father. Come let me hold you in my arms like a husband does his wife. That's the two uh, word pictures that we have in our relationship with God. It's like a child with a father and a bride with her groom. You know, sometimes Allison will snuggle up to me and I can feel her and I can actually feel her heartbeat sometimes. Isn't that interesting? I can just put my hand on her back and I can kind of feel her heartbeat. And I think that's what God's saying. He's saying, you know what? I want you to come sit so close to me that you can feel my heartbeat. And then what I want you to do is I want you to arrange your life, arrange your life so that you're walking in step with me so that, that our lives are two as one and my will becomes your will and my desires become your desires. My love becomes your love. The way I see the world, you see the world. The way I love people, you love people. He says, that's what I want. And so when we start thinking about this whole idea, what does it mean to draw near to God? It's this closeness with God that that is so intimate and so close that I begin to know how He thinks, that I begin to know how He responds, that I begin to know His heart for the lost, His heart for the saved, His heart for my family, His heart for my culture, his heart for me. I'm so familiar with him. I'm so, I'm so caught up with him that I just know what he's going to think before he thinks it. I've been married for 37 years. I, I remember when, when Alice and I first started dating. I mean, I, I, just, I just couldn't wait to be with her. Didn't matter what else was going on. I was thinking about her. I, I'm sitting in class and I was I was a finance major at the time and I'm thinking about all, all of these finance things, but in the back of my mind is, when will I see Allison again? When do I get to go take her to lunch? When can I go to the park and hold hands with her? When can I be with her? I was consumed with thoughts for her because that's what happens when you're in love. Think about the love of your life, whoever that is. Think about the love of your life and think about when you first fell in love with them and just how enamored you were and all you could do is think about them and you wanted to be with them and you wanted to serve them. You wanted to do things for them that made them feel good about your relationship with them. God says, that's what I already have for you. He said, I'm enamored with you. I'm absolutely madly in love with you and I'm pursuing you with everything I have. And God says, what I want you to do is come back to me and I want you to respond to me in kind. God in the relationship is the man we're the woman. God says, I'm pursuing you. Now here's what I want you to do. Let yourself be found by me. Respond back to me. Respond to my wooing of you. Draw near to me, come to the throne room and let's walk life out together. And you know what happens is that the more time you spend with God, because there's, there's no There's no substitute for the amount of time it will take to do this. But when you spend time with the Lord and you learn to pray to Him five and 10 seconds at a time, 50 times during the day, and when you learn to take that 10 or 15 or 30 minutes or an hour with Him to just spend with Him, just you and Him, and you invite Him into your world, and you imagine yourself actually going in and sitting in the lap of God, or taking a walk with Him, when you do those things, You begin to develop this intimacy and it does happen. You begin thinking about what would God do all the time? All the time, He's in the back of your mind. What would God do right now? What does God want me to do right here? Uh, Something comes up and you immediately begin to pray. I'll tell you something that worked for me. Uh, A few months ago, I started doing this and it's really, really transformed my life with God and brought me closer to Him. Uh, Every day, I hike for an hour. Uh, At the end of my work day before dinner, I go out and I hike for an hour. And what I started doing was, is I started imagining Jesus hiking with me. I just asked Jesus, Jesus, come come do this hike with me. And I imagine in my brain, Jesus and I doing this hike together. And during that hike, I talk to him and he talks to me. And, and I talk to him in very real human terms about how I feel and, and things that I'm working through and things that are on my mind. And I'll ask Jesus if he has an opinion on it. And, Most of the time he doesn't and every once in a while I get a pretty strong impression of something I should do. But there's this intimacy that's there because he's walking with me. Imagine yourself sitting in the lap of God and pray to him from there. Imagine yourself going on a long walk with Jesus and talk to him there. It's that intimacy that comes from day to day, taking that time to just walk out time with God. And and I think most Christians would say, I want that kind of intimacy, what's holding me back? Well, I think there's a couple things holding you back. One is I do think it's time. It takes time to do that. And I just really wanna challenge you, and I challenged you a couple of weeks ago on this as well. I really wanna challenge you to look at how much time you're spending on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TV, computer, internet, can you, can you not carve 30 minutes or 45 minutes out a day to just walk with God, to just spend some time with Him, to just sit in His lap, to, 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 to date Him, to let Him date you? Would you spend that time with Him? No, time, you have to put the time in to have the kind of relationship with God. I know that you want. I know that what I'm talking about today, there's a part of you that's jumping for joy that's excited about that and would like that and is anticipating that but it's gonna take some time and work. Put the work in. I promise you the benefits will be well worth it. The benefits will, will change your life, change your perspective. It will give you such significance. It will give you such joy. It will give you such peace. It will be worth it, but you gotta put in the time. But I, I, I think there's a couple other reasons why we keep a little space between us and God. Uh, I, I think one of them is Intimacy requires vulnerability. Intimacy requires vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable to be intimate. And, and I know intellectually that God knows everything about me and loves me anyway, and so it's easy to say, well, it's easy to be vulnerable with God, but it really isn't. Because although I know it here, I don't necessarily know it here. In all of my life, most of the people that I've been vulnerable with and let them see really who I am, they've used it against me. They've hurt me with it. They've waited till the right opportune time to benefit them and hurt me the most, and then they hurt me. And, and it, it has left me so cynical and hurt sometimes that it puts a little barrier between me and God where I'm like, God, I know I'm supposed to be vulnerable with you, but every time I get vulnerable, I get hurt. And so we kind of, we kind of overlay that on our relationship with God. But what do we have to remember? God's the perfect Father. He's not the imperfect Father. He's the perfect husband, spouse. He's not the imperfect spouse. And I can be vulnerable with Him, and He'll protect my heart. He won't hurt my heart, like maybe some other people have in your life. And I think that, I I know for me for a long time, that was a reason I was scared to get intimate and close with God is, I just didn't want to get hurt again but God won't hurt you, he's the perfect father, the perfect spouse, the perfect lover, he doesn't hurt. He doesn't hurt, everything he does is good for you. But then I think there's a a third reason, there's time and then then there's what we just talked about, but there's a third reason. We all have coping mechanisms in our life and I think you probably know what I mean by coping mechanism, it's things that I do to make myself feel better when I feel bad. For some people it might be when I feel bad and and I get stressed or or I'm sad, I'll go spend money. They'll they'll go on Amazon and buy stuff. And somehow buying stuff just makes you feel better. For some people it might be uh, drinking and for some people maybe even drinking a little bit too much. Uh, For some people, especially for men, that can be pornography and masturbation. Uh, For some people it can be busyness and perfectionism. But but whatever happens when we get stressed or sad, we have these built-in coping mechanisms. Here's what I'm gonna do to make myself feel better, to self-soothe. Do I spend money? Do I look at porn? Do I drink? Do I clean the house real good? <laughs> what do I do that makes me feel better? And whatever it is for you, it is for you. And it doesn't have to be sinful like pornography. There's nothing wrong with cleaning the house, right? But what happens is when you develop an intimate relationship with God, here's what God's going to start doing to you. He's going to start saying, listen, my child. When you're sad or you're stressed, I want to be where you come. I want want you to come to me, and I'll take care of that. Remember, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will soothe that pain in you. I will soothe that stress in you. And so what that means is some of our coping mechanisms that we've been using to self-soothe for 10 and 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 years, when I get intimate with God, He may ask me to give those up. Wow, what would that be like? Doesn't mean that you wouldn't drink any more wine, it just means you wouldn't drink wine to soothe. Doesn't mean you wouldn't spend any more money, it just means you wouldn't spend money to soothe. hopefully when it comes to things like pornography, it would mean you would completely get it out of your life. But God says, I want to be that one you go to, to soothe you. I don't want you to go to other things for your coping mechanisms. And so I think what happens is is we say, you know what, if I come to God, if I get that close to God, I know what He's going to make me give up. He's going to want me to give up this. He's going to want me to give up that. And I don't want to give that up. And so I think we keep a little distance from us, from God, because we don't want to have to give those things up. Here's the promise, and here's what you have to experience. And until you experience it, I don't know that you can believe it, but please, please, please believe me. Everything you have to give up for intimacy with God is worth it. Everything you have to give up is worth it. Intimacy with God, it it is something that is so surreal and so supernatural and so beautiful That once you experience it, it's like the Pearl of Great Price parable that Jesus told. You'll give up anything to get, get it again. It gives you the significance and the meaning and the purpose and the joy and the peace and the contentment and the security that you're looking for. That everything in the world you've been looking at to fill those things can't give, God can. But it's going to take some sacrifice on your part. It's going to take some time on your part. It's going to take some death to self on your part. It's going to take some surrender on your part. But you can do those things because intimacy with God is worth it. It's worth it. So we'll pick up here next time and we'll talk about a little bit more about how we do that. But I really want you, you might need to watch this one two or three times and let these words settle over your soul. Because as scary as it sounds, intimacy with God is the best thing you will ever have. This side of heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Lord, I I, uh, I love you, and I love my intimate walk with you, and I want every other human being on this planet. To have that kind of walk with you. And so, Lord, I pray for that. I pray for the person watching right now, Lord, that that they will desire and do what it takes to have an intimate walk with you. In Jesus' name. I want to remind you that we are uh, working out of a book, a manual, uh, called Basic Training. Uh, This manual uh, was written by me, and it is for the purpose of growing you up in your faith, to be a disciple so you can turn around and disciple other people. If you want one of those books, if you need one of those books, email me at bradsmall at embarkmen.com, and I will get one of those books into your hands. God bless you. Have a great day.